How many of you thankful for how many of you thankful for revival? <laughs> Praise God. I uh, sent a text to my mother. My mom's a prayer warrior. And uh, today I was battling tremendously in my mind. It was, I don't even know what to explain it and to say what it was. But it was just stuff coming against my mind. Stuff was coming against my spirit today. And um, to see all the things that's happening. I don't want to blame the devil for everything. But I do feel a pushback in the spirit. And I think it's very important. I think it's very important that the longer the revival goes, that we're unified. We are unified. Oh, I feel it. I feel it right now. We got to be unified. We got to fight together, not fight amongst each other. Nah. So you know what? I... I I told the devil, I said, when I get out of this hotel room, I'm going to punch you in your eye. He's been fighting me all day, so I'm ready to fight back tonight. <laughs> I'm ready to punch the devil in the teeth because he's ugly anyways, and so is his mama. Come on, it's time for us to fight back in the spirit. It's time for us to fight back in the spirit. It's time for us to get militant and say, God, uh, you are with us. Uh, you are for us. Uh, and we're going to have revival. Praise God. That was for the devil. <laughs> I give honor. You can be seated. Stay with me, Brother Jordan, for just a little while. Brother Jordan, I love you so much. Man, how many of you love the music at this church? Praise God. Praise God. All the singers, thank you for leading us into the presence of God. How many of you love Bishop and Sister Mayo? How many of you love your pastor? wish I could sing like the young lady that was leading service tonight. Boy, if I could sing, boy, you wouldn't be able to tell me nothing. God knew what we can and can't handle. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I was in prayer today, and uh, I'm going to tell you what I've been feeling. I'm going to tell you what I've been feeling. I even told the bishop as he walked past me and handed me the mic, I feel like God has given me one assignment tonight. To lift the hands of the man of God. That's all I feel God telling me to do tonight is to lift the hands of the leadership of this church. And that's what I'm going to do tonight. Ooh, and that's what I'm going to do tonight. <clears throat> the Lord spoke this word to me sitting right here this morning in prayer. And that word was alignment. It's time to get into alignment. It's time to get, this is what I felt, felt very specifically in prayer today, is that I don't know if it's something future. I don't know if it's something past. I don't even know if it's something present. But I feel like this message that I'm going to preach tonight is trying to gather the saints close to the shepherd. I don't know if there's a, a voice amongst the camp. I, I can tell you, but I felt so strong in my hotel room that we've got to get in alignment now. Now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Now. And we got to be unified now more than ever. I'm going to preach to you from this topic. Mm. Before we get there, feel the Holy Ghost stopping me for just a moment. Somebody's got to get something right with the man of God tonight. I don't know who you are, but I, I specifically felt God lead me 
to start walking the pews of this sanctuary today. I don't know who you are, but I feel in my spirit that somebody's gotten cold and calloused and that you have gotten out of alignment with the man of God. It's time to get back into alignment with the man of God. Whatever you got to do to make it right. Whatever you got to do to make things right with the man of God, I would do it tonight. Let's lift our hands for just a moment. I feel mercy reaching for somebody right now. Sir, you need to make some things right tonight. Sir, you need to make some things right tonight. Come on, church, pray. Come on, this this is what I mean, fighting for your brother, fighting for your sister. Can you fight in prayer? This message may not be for you tonight, but can you fight for somebody else? Can you lift up your voice for somebody else? Can you pray for somebody else that may know not how to pray for themselves? Can you pray? I want to preach to you from this topic. Moses is human. Moses is human. Moses is human. Thank you, Brother Jordan. Now, if this is kind of teachy, preachy, whatever you call it, I, I know that the Holy Ghost has given me this for this church tonight. Most things that are created by man has weight limits. They have a sign in the elevator of maximum weight is this amount. To let everybody know inside of the elevator that this can only take so much. Bridges have weight limits. Some ladders have weight limits. And if we overpower the weight limit of this thing that is created, you will see a sign that usually says out of order or maintenance required. I believe that God created us with weight limits of things that we can carry. Moses, named by Pharaoh's daughter, his name means to be drawn out. He was drawn out of the basket, and he grew up in Pharaoh's house with the hand of God upon his life. He grew up in a time of chaos as Pharaoh was trying to kill all the baby boys to stop the growth of the children of Israel. Being torn between the teachings of his mother and the teachings of the Pharaoh's house. Moses, growing up, had access to the best learning in his early years. Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, gives us a glimpse of the learning of Moses in his great speech. In Acts 7 and 22, the Bible says, and Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, it was mighty in words and in deeds. During this period in history, Egypt led in learning. Some of the emphasis that the Egyptians did in education was academic disciplines. They were taught how to write intelligently and clearly. He learned about the Egyptian law and the cultures of Egyptians. And one of the biggest things that they stressed was oral communications, reading and writing, learning how to speak properly and convincingly. He had access to the best chariots and people would pass by and they would bow down to Moses, pull between two worlds, between the Israelites and the Egyptians. We see an Acts, and I'm setting a foundation here tonight. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 22, it says that Moses finds it in his heart to go visit his people, the Israelites. The best learning that Moses would ever receive was from his mother. It wasn't in learning, but it was in his mother that I believe that she was raising him in Pharaoh's house. That she was whispering in his ear, you may be in this world, but you are not of this world. The best teaching that Moses ever would receive was from his parents. I'm going to go slow here tonight and I hope 
you don't, I don't lose some of you, but I got somewhere to go. Moses, you may be growing up in Pharaoh's house right now, but God has bigger plans for you. I wonder if she said something like this. Always remember, baby, you're a child of the Most High. Moses, there will come a point in your life where you're going to have to choose between the world and his people. You're going to have to choose, Moses. Moses, you're going to have to make decisions. Moses chose correctly. Hebrews 11 and 24 states, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He chose the right way. But by the age of 40, Moses makes a big mistake. Acts 7 and 24 states, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptians. He buries the Egyptian in the sand, but sin will always find you out. Even in Egypt, we see that Moses is trying to step into a role as a deliverer and help out his people. We see in the next few verses that Moses is trying to be a peacemaker. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 13, the Bible says, And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said unto them that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me, and as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Because of his mistake, he starts running. But God has a way of orchestrating things and turning things for good. We see that he starts running and he ends up going and to Midian and he starts tending the sheep of a man by the name of Jethro. Now, I don't know if... Jethro knew who Moses was. But any time that there is somebody who has committed a failure, every failure needs a Jethro. Every person that has made a mistake needs a Jethro. Brother Jones, what does that mean? Everybody needs a Jethro, somebody that can entrust them with something after failure. So my question to people, because ain't nobody in this building perfect, nobody. But when Jethro entrusts you with something, his sheep, will you treat it like it's your own? Because sometimes when we're given something that's somebody else's, we don't care about it. But when God sends you a Jethro, how do you treat the things that are given to you? Oh, I want a pulpit ministry. I don't want to teach no bus kids. I mean, ah, just give, me, give me the limelight. I don't want to be back in the field tending sheep. But what Moses did not realize is that this wandering that he's about to do is about to prepare him to lead people. Now listen, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house being served. But this next season, Moses is about to learn how to serve. God is transitioning Moses and saying, I know you messed up. I know you made a mistake, but you're being used to being served. But in this next phase of your life, I'm going to allow you to learn how to serve because if you're going to be a leader, you must, must learn how to serve first. Moses is learning in this season how to serve. He's tending the sheep of Jethro, he keeps his father-in-law's sheep. This is a strange place. It's so strange that he even names his son. Based off what he's experiencing, this strangeness of this place, I'm not used to this. So God's preparing him for something. But I'm gonna tell you what, the greatest learning <laughs> didn't prepare Moses for what he's about to deal with. People. 
The best learning can never prepare you for the ups and downs of dealing with people. It can never prepare you for one day you're on the mountaintop, on the next day you're having to bring somebody back up. Moses is having to deal with all of this. And we see that as I'm hurrying up that Moses has the burning bush experience and God tells him what to do and he brings Aaron with him. We see that he goes before Pharaoh. There's resistance by Pharaoh and the plagues start happening and God starts smiting the firstborn. And finally Pharaoh says, okay, you can just get them out. Just get them out. You can have them. And we see that the people that Moses is leading are excited because they're out of bondage now. They free. They, they don't have the whips and the, the bothering of being told that they're nothing. They, they don't have that anymore. Now they have freedom and liberty. And they're free. They're leaving Egypt with a high hand. But the Bible says that God hardens the heart of Pharaoh. Why? For this reason. So that he can prove to the Egyptians that he is who he says he is. So we see that they're leaving Egypt with a high hand. Wow, this is good. We're free. Yeah, we're free. And then they get to the sea. And they got their high hand, they're worshiping, they're going crazy. And I can see as they're hearing the footsteps of their past show up. And they start getting scared. They're faced with a situation where they don't know how they're going to get out of it. And the first thing, remember, they had just left Egypt with a high hand. They've been worshiping. They've been thanking God. And in just a moment, when a tough situation shows up, they turn from the high hand to start pointing fingers. When they're met with life and tough situations that God put them in in order to show everybody that I am who I said I am, that the people of God immediately start speaking against the man of God. That quick, you were just worshiping, you were just praising God. And in just a matter of moments, as God is orchestrating all of this to let you know that I'm with you, the Bible says they start murmuring against Moses. Can you believe how fickle people can be? One minute they're for you. One minute they're against you. <laughs> Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Moses, did you really lead my kids out of Egypt so they can die here? Pointing at the man of God, it's your fault. When all he's doing is being obedient to God. And you know what Moses has to do after the people of God start pointing at him and saying, this is your fault. He has to calm them down. Fear not. Because God's going to work this out and you're not going to see these Egyptians no more. Just calm down. He stretches forth his hand. We all know the story. The sea goes up. They walk. He puts forth the rod again. The sea falls. And all of the Egyptians are drowned. Woo! Freedom! Hallelujah! We're free. And Moses is real good when there's freedom. But when there comes tough times, what is your response? Whoa, we're free now. The, the Egyptians are in the water and God has brought us free. Miriam's got her tambourine out. Everybody's worshiping. They're singing their songs of Zion. It's good right now. When life is good, we're praising. But when it's bad, what is your praise like? When everything, when you don't know how you're going to pay your next bill, what is your praise like then? But it's unfortunate that we're living in a world that when things start getting bad, the first thing that we do is point at the man of God. It's his fault. He told me if I paid my tithe. He told me if I started paying my tithe, I'd be blessed, but I got less money now. We start blaming, pointing fingers. And saying, it's, it's Moses' fault. It's Moses' fault. I've come to preach tonight that Moses is human. And I've come to tell you that Moses cannot bear the weight of everything. 
Moses cannot bear the weight of everything. So we better be careful when we get in situations in our life and all we want to do is point the fingers at the leadership. This is what I feel, that if we're going to have revival and go to the places God wants us to go, there has to be alignment. We've got to get in alignment with the man of God and God. It's good for a season. Worshiping and praising God, they're even singing their songs. And it's just a few moments later, three days, and there is no water. And all of a sudden, The talking begins again. My question to you is, if you're that willing to talk about your grievances, why don't you bend your knee to pray to God? The Bible says that every time something began to happen, there was a murmuring. People talking. I just don't like how Brother Mayo leads. He shouldn't have handled my situation that way. Instead of bending your knee to pray for the man of God, all we want to do is murmur. It's good when life is going good and everything, you can figure everything out on your own and God's delivering and God's providing. But what happens in places where God withholds the provision in order for you to trust him? I'm going to tell you what happens. People start talking. I know what I felt in the Holy Ghost today. Start talking. And you know what? You won't talk at church. You'll talk at coffee shops. You'll talk outside of the church. You'll talk in group text messages. I just don't, I just don't think Brother Mayo should have handled me that way. I mean, is there not an easier way for me to get what I need in order to And other than just doing it like this. (laughs) But in order for you to get to the places that God has for you, there's got to be some times where God withholds the provision to see what you'll do next. The Israelites are people that are constantly going back and forth, back and forth. Like sheep, we have all gone astray. Moses didn't realize that this, wa- this wasn't a wandering season. This wasn't just a season for you to sit, but I was preparing you to deal with people in this wilderness. <laughs> so they just start talking. They start murmuring. They start saying, Moses, you brought us this far. What are we going to drink? Moses, did God tell you what to do next? And you want to know, The hardest thing for a leader to do is lead people that every time something tough comes in front of them, their first option is to go back. Let's go back. It was easier in Egypt. We had food in Egypt. We had water in Egypt. But have you forgotten that you were a slave? The first option is, Moses, let's go back. Let's not push the revival. Let's go back because it was a lot easier when we just took our ease, but now we're meeting a little resistance and things have gotten a little... Let's just go back. And the murmuring starts. Be careful when you start murmuring. Do you know, oh my, this is the... I want everybody to hear me right now. What is the definition of murmuring? I'm going to tell you right now. A soft, indistinct sound made by a person or a group of people speaking quietly in a distance. You know, I just, I don't think it takes all that anymore. I just, I think we should, I think, you know, if I was in leadership, I do revival like this. You know, if if I ever had an opportunity to preach, 
That's how murmuring starts. It doesn't start off big. It starts off small and quiet. Just, hey, hey, just don't say nothing to so-and-so, but you know, if they'd really give me a solo. You know, I, if I was the youth pastor, yeah, divisive, behind the back, the spirit of murmuring, Always looks for somebody to listen. It is always looking for an ear that'll say, oh, I'm not gossiping, but. I'm not gossiping, but I just don't think we should be spending money this way. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, I've been praying today. and God's been speaking to me. I, don't, I just don't think we should spend our money that way. I don't think that's very wise. We're spending that much money on revival? My God. Murmuring. But my question to you is, when the murmurer shows up, what do you do? Well, I'm not, I'm not the one talking about it, so, I mean, they need some, you know, I, you know, I want them to tell me so I can help them pray about it. So let me just murmur a little bit. Let me just talk about it a little bit. You know, people that murmur, they have no desire to help fix the issue. It's the people that don't come to pre-service prayer that always have a problem. I, I, I felt it when I said that. Something stabbed me in my back right there. It's always the people that aren't praying, that aren't fasting, that aren't paying their tithe, that always got something to say about Moses, that always got to murmur. But I wonder, is there anybody in this building that's saying, I'm going to lift the hands of Moses. I'm going to stand by Moses. I'm not going to let you talk about my pastor. I'm not going to let you talk about the bishop because I'm ready to get in alignment, because I'm ready for revival. I'm ready for harvest. It's always the people that aren't giving much that always got to say so and something. Brother Logan, this is how you should run the youth group. You, you, this, this is how you should do it. Hey, let me just say something. If you've never given to the youth fund, don't give nobody's opinion. Your opinion. I, I, I was a youth pastor for five minutes, and I would have parents. I would have to go get their kids, go pick them up from their, their house. I didn't mind it. I loved it. But then they would, hey, can you bring them back home? Can you get them something to eat? And then they want to complain. When I went on vacation to have an anniversary with my wife. But serve me. Serve me. It's a self-serving mentality. And that's where the murmurers are. The ones that self-serve. Oh. They're always self-serving. Preach to me, preacher. Don't preach to the saint. Don't preach to the lost one. Preach to me. You've been preached to for 40 years. What more do you need to hear? Seriously. But when somebody starts preaching on Acts 2.38, oh, I've heard that before. In the South, I told your bishop this. There's an epidemic in Pentecost. And we start reaching for people. Preach me something revelatory. Self-serving. And it's the people that have that mentality that I guarantee the murmurs have went to them. Exodus 15, Exodus 16, when they're met with issues, the Bible says that they start murmuring. But listen to this. Oh, my, my, my. But it changes from murmuring. Then the Bible says in Exodus 17 that they start chiding Moses. 
What's the difference? (laughs) The word chide means to express disapproval, but it also means to agitate mentally. You went from murmuring and complaining to a point that now you'll start expressing disapproval openly. He ain't getting no more of my money. I just, who does he think he is? <laughs> That's Moses, Moses better get it together. He's always bringing us to places where God's going to have to provide. All this talking, and we don't realize what all that talking does to Moses. You know what it does? It causes Moses, every time that they start complaining, you know what Moses does? The Bible says Moses falls on his face. Moses has got to get an answer for the people. He's got to fall on his face and pray. And the pressure to get a word from God for people that are complaining. That don't even have his back. But that every time a tough season turns around, oh, bro, I think Bishop Mayo's getting a little too old for this. I know what I felt in prayer. Start speaking. Start talking. And it goes from murmuring to chiding. But Moses is human. Why am I saying that? Because Moses can only handle so much weight. Why do you say that, Brother Jones? Because we see in Exodus chapter 17 that a battle shows up. And he tells them that as long as Moses' hands are raised, that the people are seeing victory. You need Moses to be as healthy as possible. You know why? Hold on. Listen. You want to know why? Because as long as his hands are up, you're living in victory. Listen. But I'm telling you, God's going to draw a line in the sand. I'm telling you what I feel right now. God's going to draw a line between the murmurers and the ones that will support. Moses. It's been easy. Just to talk, 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 talk. But in order to see victory. And the Bible says that he gets into this battle and they bring a rock and he sits down and he lifts his hands. But the Bible says that when his arms got heavy. Imagine with me how Moses probably pushed past his physical limits in order for the people to see victory. I did it. As I was reading this, I lifted my hands, and I got about two minutes in. My arms started getting heavy. But I wonder how many times Moses' arm got heavy that he forced, I got to get him up because somebody's, somebody's hurting right now if I don't get my arms up. I'm tired. I'm weary. But got to get my hands up because somebody's going to be defeated if I don't. Moses is human. Moses needs help. And sometimes just you shutting off the voice of the murmurer. Maybe it's just you telling that person that's always gossiping about things that they don't like about this church. Maybe it's you just saying, hey, don't call me about that no more. Because why? I'm going to stand next to Moses. I'm going to stand next to Moses. Why? Because in order for me to see victory, his arms got to be, his arms got to be up. And I'm determined, I'm determined to get in alignment with the man of God. I feel your spirit right now. Nobody told me nothing. I feel your spirit right now. It's a defensive spirit. 
And God's saying, how long are you going to chide with Moses? How long are you going to be upset? Because Moses had to draw a line somewhere. How long are you going to be mad? You know what? If it was somebody else, he wouldn't have done that to them. I feel a lot of bitterness in this room right now. I don't know where it's coming from. I feel bitterness right now against the man of God. I have not spoken to anybody about this. I've been here praying. But Moses, as long as he has support, you're seeing victory. But a man by the name of Jethro is going to play a vital part in Moses' life. Because we see in Exodus chapter 18, Moses is judging all of the people. Where is Moses? He's been gone away from Zipporah and his boys. He's doing ministry by himself. God have mercy. All of a sudden, he sees this long line of people. Moses, Moses, what are you, what are you doing? Well, I, I got to judge all the people. You know what Jethro says? Moses, what you're doing is not good. Why, Moses? Because as long as you keep doing this, you will surely wear away. Moses, it is too heavy for you to judge all these people by yourself. It's too much for you. And you know what he says? You're going to wear out. But not only are you going to wear out, a byproduct of Moses being worn out is the people will be worn out. It's in the word. Exodus 18. That as long as Moses is strong and healthy and doing everything, you're healthy. But it could be just a little bit of backbiting that tears into the strength of Moses. A divisive spirit that clings a hold and pulls down and pulls down. Moses, all the learning you got in Egypt didn't prepare you for this. But I'm going to tell you what's going to prepare you is when you got people that will stand with you. Moses, you can't keep doing this. So you know what I want you to do, Moses? I want you to get 70 elders. Now I want you to start dividing this stuff up because Moses, you can't do this on your own. But I've come to preach tonight. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, God has given me something tonight for this church. What is your response when the voices in the camp show up? We got to go all the way to Exodus chapter 32. Where Moses is in the mountain having an encounter with God and he leaves Aaron in charge and people start realizing Moses has been gone for a while he's delayed in the mountain he's praying a little bit too much he's gone too much Moses it's time for you to come back down where we live and Moses and Aaron was left in charge and you know where the people go the people go to the second man. Hey, we don't know where Moses is, so make us an image. Hold on. Aaron, you're supposed to hold the beliefs of the man of God while he's away. But we see that Aaron was able to fold so quickly because Moses is not there. What's your attitude when the pastor's gone? I've been to churches before. I'm not saying it happened here, but I've been to churches before that when pastor is gone on Sunday, half of the church will be in the back eating food when Moses is away. I'm not even joking. When Moses is away, everybody else, oh, pastor's not here. We do whatever we want to, which shows me you have a relationship with a man. Oh, Bishop Mayo's not here. We're just going to take the gap. We're just going to back off a little bit. 
And Moses was up there praying, having a visitation from God. And he has to come down off the mountain because somebody that Moses had placed in charge folded when he wasn't there. Moses is human, y'all. Moses needs visitations from God just like we do. But what happens when Moses has to come down from his visitation in order to fix the people? Moses is human. I wonder what had happened when the voices started murmuring. Hey, Moses has been gone for a while. Hey, have you seen Moses? Hey, do you know where Moses is? Is he on vacation again? Where's Moses? Where's he at? I wonder what had happened if somebody in the camp was saying, Moses is probably getting a visitation from God. Why don't we be quiet? I wonder if it would have shifted anything in the camp if there would have been somebody that would have stood up and said, don't talk about Moses like that. Don't talk about my man God like that. Because every time something starts stirring in the camp, Moses has to come back down from the mountain. He already knew what was going on. Joshua says, I, I hear something. And Moses said, no, 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 it's not that. God's already spoke to me what it was. He's already dealing with the frustrations of being in heavenly places and having to come back down. To deal with carnal people. That the first time any resistance shows up, they want to go back to Egypt. It didn't take God long to get the people out of Egypt, but it took years to get Egypt out of people's heart. And Moses is trying to get, trying to get Egypt out of you. Come on, if you obey the commandments, you will be blessed. If you do what God tells you to do. And it's constantly, I'm going to take, oh, I feel this in the Holy Ghost right now. The man of God cannot hold babies if he's constantly having to prop some of you up. Come on, come on, get up, saying to God. You can get past that. And he can't hold babies and prop up people at the same time. And so what God is calling for is spiritual maturity. To say, Pastor, you know what? Instead of propping me up, I'm going to go get a baby and put them in my hand. Because that's what harvest is about, is getting your hands involved. But Moses is human. He can't handle all of it by himself. He needs people to say, you know what? I may, my name may never be known. I don't care if it's known. But if I'm known as a support to the man of God and my family saved because of it, so be it. So be it. If I never preach a conference, I don't care as long as my family's saved. I'm going to ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? What does success look like? In our minds, I'm telling you, it's going to look totally different. Was Noah... A success? He only saved eight people. He saved his family. That's a successful ministry in my opinion. It's not big. It's not in the limelight. But his family, but his family was saved. Moses is human. Moses needs help. And Moses needs everybody on board. I've watched it happen. I watched the pastor. I'm telling you, I watched the pastor. I preached for him the day before, the Sunday before Christmas, right after I left here, actually, the 17th. He said, you know what I want for Christmas? And I'm telling you, he started crying when he said it. He said, I don't want a car. He said, I don't, I don't want extra tithe money. He said, I want my saints to be faithful to the house of God. He said, that's what I want for Christmas. It's people to be faithful to the house of God. Because when Moses has to worry about where's so-and-so, why is so-and-so not here on Monday? So anytime a special service call, I don't want Moses to have to worry about me I'm going to be there because as long as his hands are up, I'm doing okay.
As long as his hands are up, I'm going to be okay. But what's your response when the murmur shows up? When it shows up in the camp? It's going to show up tonight, I'm telling you. It's going to show up tonight. It's going to show up tonight in the text message. Ha. Somebody's been talking, Brother Jones. Nobody's been talking to me. Ha. It's going to show up in a, in a way that's so subtle, but yet divisive. What's your, what's your response going to be? Young lady, what's your response going to be when they come to you about the gossip? I just, I don't see why she's got to drive that. Oh, yeah. I just don't see why. You got to do all that stuff. I'm telling you, I feel so much Holy Ghost right now. There's something you need to say. Don't come to me with your gossip no more. I'm getting in alignment with the man of God. Not only the man of God, but the lady of God. I promise you I'm not trying to be something I'm not. But be careful when you start putting your mouth on the lady of God. It's funny, the people that have never done anything for God want to critique 30 years. I'm sorry, what church did you start? What did you give up? Oh, I feel something militant coming on me right now. What did you, did you give up anything in order to start a church? Were you there when he had, when he was dealing with frustrations and family leaks? Were you there? No, you weren't. So how can you sit back and critique when you haven't paid the price that he has? Moses is human, but he needs 100% on board. He even gets to a point, it even gets so bad that his brother and his sister start talking about his marriage. You married, you married this woman. Who do you think you are? Numbers 20. You, ouch, you shouldn't have married her. It's like everything is on display and everything is critiqued. Not only Moses' leadership, but his marriage. You don't think that place, and then we see. Oh, God. All the times that Moses has fell on his face for the people, all the times that he's prayed for people's marriages, all the times that he's pushed the plate away. And God tells him, they start murmuring again. He says, Go speak to the rock. And Moses hits the rock. And out of frustration, he's not able to go into the promised land. You know how many times they messed up? Multiple times. Several times. And God, Moses stands before God. If you're going to kill the people, you got to kill me too. Standing on the behalf of the people. And when Moses gets frustrated, in one moment, God says, you're not going to the promised land. That's, that, to me, that's not fair. In my karma, but this is what I realized. The Bible says that when God told this to Moses, he spoke to Moses and to Aaron. Listen, when Aaron made this mistake with the golden calf, Moses prayed for him. Who's praying for Moses? Aaron heard the consequences, but didn't pray for Moses. Moses is human. Moses needs prayer. But, but pray for 100, 350 people. You lead us, but we'll keep talking. We'll keep murmuring. We'll keep listening. 
little by little. You may not realize what it's doing. Little by little. It's calling, causing division in the body of Christ. God is drawing a line right now for you to choose whose side you're going to be on. I'm not playing games tonight, and God's not playing games either. It's time for you to decide tonight whose side you're going to be on. Bishop always texts me, this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning. And I really believe that, that God is about to start ramping this thing up in a level it's never been. But listen, he took Tuesday night to tell the church, it's time to lift the hands. Because when he, when his hands are lifted, my family's going to be okay. My kids are going to be okay because he's okay. It's what I feel. If I, if I step out of bounds, you stop me. I'm submitted to you. This is what I feel for this revival. God's calling people to be intercessors for your pastors and your pastor's wife. That's what I feel. I feel that some of you, if you'll grab a hold of this and say, I don't need to get a mic. I ain't got to be a singer. Whatever. I'll be an intercessor for them. I'll hold their hands up. One day a week, I will pray and fast. For my man of God. Why, Brother Joe? Because I'm holding his arms up. It's too heavy for you, Moses. It's too heavy for you. So the way that I fix that is I support. Young man, you're not too young to get into this. Oh, I got to wait till I'm married. No, 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 no. Pastor Mayo, whatever you need. If you need somebody to clean this. Call me first. Why? Because it's something he don't have to worry about. You know what the average age or the average time a pastor stays at a church? Five years. You know how long it takes for a congregation to buy into a vision of a man? Five years. So by the time they're buying into the vision. He's already worn out. Five years. You have a man of God that's been here 30 years. 30 years of endurance that things have come against. But we've had saints of God that saying, you're not getting my pastor. You're not getting my bishop. And we need a new generation to stand with the man of God. To stand. Come on, somebody. If you want to see the greatest revival, you got to stand with the man of God. Brother Jordan, come help me. I'm done. Moses is human. But things that are going to show up, I'm telling you, before God, it's going to show up. Voices are going to start showing up. Because any revival worth anything is the enemy will try to work internally. From the inside out. My God, I feel this on the top of my head till I'm full of my feet right now. He'll use disgruntled people. The enemy will use disgruntled people. I don't like how they play that song. It'd be better if I was on there. telling you it's going to happen but Cornerstone what's your response when the murmuring starts what are you going to say when Moses in the mountaintop getting a word from God and he's not there and people start turning 
He's delayed. He should have been back by now. Where's Moses? But I'm telling you how we push against those voices. It's going to take young men. You, oh, I, it's going to take young men. You don't have to be married, but you get something in you right now. Right now. Right now. Right Right now. Camden, you get it in you. And somebody starts talking about the man of God. Somebody starts talking about the youth pastor. You don't talk about them. You're not going to talk about the youth pastor. You're not talking about him. Why? Because as long as his hands are raised, there's victory. As long as his hands are raised, there is victory. Cornerstone, I'm telling you. What God has for this revival is going to blow your mind. But one of the first tests you're going to see show up internally is going to show up. It's already here. I feel it. It's already here right now. Family. God, have mercy right now. Family. You got to go to church all the time. You got to go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then you got practice. You don't need all that. And it's going to show up sometimes in family. Hear what I'm saying right now. And watch. Watch the people that the... Okay? It's the people. I started studying sheep today. Sheep's only way to get out of trouble is either to run or to get in the pack. It's the only way that they're saved from danger. So I'm telling you right now, mark the sheep that are not a part of the pack. They won't come to the fellowship. First thing they do after service is they leave because they don't want to be a part of the pack. Watch for murmurers that show up like that. I'm telling you, I feel a warning from God. Watch the people that all they want to do is murmur. Because a murmur goes to a child where they boastfully start coming against the man of God. Let's stand. Let's stand. I feel mercy reaching for somebody tonight. I really do. I feel mercy reaching for somebody tonight. You're so frustrated, sir. I don't know why you're so mad. I don't know why you're so angry. But if you'll keep a right spirit, God will... If you'll keep a right spirit, God will restore you. But you got to keep a right spirit. He could have handled that a better way. pulling for a man right now. I can feel it right now. I'm pulling for you. If you'll keep a right spirit, God will heal up. God will restore you. Keep a right spirit. I'm telling you, nobody's told me nothing. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost, keep a right spirit. Keep a right spirit. It's time for the young marrieds, young people, to get something in your heart a commitment to the leadership of this church I don't know why I keep feeling that it's time for I know the elders are bought in but are you young Mary's bought in are you committed or in your youthful thoughts you, you, you're trying to in your humanity trying to figure out oh we could do this better
I know I'm young. But I know when I hear from God. I know. I'm telling you, I am pulling for this generation. Somebody sent me a picture today that shook me to my core. I want every young married to hear what I'm about to say right now. I want everybody to give me your undivided attention for the next five minutes. Are we recording right now? Can you cut it? <laughs> 